Welcome to 24 Hour Expert, where we challenge each other to see what we can learn on random topics in just a day. I'm Allie. And I'm Amy. Let's see what we've learned. All right, Al, are you ready for this week's episode? I am ready. I've got a sneaky one for you. Okay. I'm just kidding. Not sneaky in the real sense. But sneaky in a sneaky sense? Sneaky in a sneaker sense. Okay. So, this week's topic, sneakers. Okay. Otherwise known as? Oh, tennis shoes. That's what I was just going to say. Otherwise known as? Gym shoes? Trainers. Trainers. Gym shoes. Okay, trainers is very European. Well, it is. It's the UK. But listen, all right? I didn't realize there were so many names for these. Okay. So, I don't know why I was so aggressive about that. Just listen, Allison. Just listen. Just listen. Anyway, this week's episode is about sneakers. And I'll tell you, this started because I was at a conference recently, and someone asked me about my sneakers, because I typically wear them with my dresses and things. And they told me about a pair of Air Jordans that sold for, like, $1.7 million. So then I went down this rabbit hole of, like, what are the most expensive pair of sneakers? But then I thought, let's actually unpack this. So here we are. Call it listener-adjacent topic. Okay. Okay. I like it. So. A new category of topic. Listener-adjacent. (laughs) Listener-adjacent. It's kind of a listener, you know? So sneakers, as they're known in the U.S., or trainers, as they're known in the UK, is a type of shoe primarily designed for sports or other forms of physical exercise, but are widely used for everyday casual wear as well. Definitely. So I will say, I when I was reading the history of them, I forgot about like this whole category of like cleats, and then you've got basketball shoes, and you've got, you know, there's a whole variety. Right. So we're not going to cover... Every sneaker ever made, but we're covering the general topic of sneakers. Great. Okay. So one of the questions I did ask Google, because research, was what makes a sneaker better for athletic activities, since that's primarily how they're categorized. And originally, sneakers really do provide, even currently today, more arch and foot support. But originally, they also provided a lot of ankle support. So you could also still see that in some sneakers today. They come up a little bit higher on your ankle. They give you that kind of, like, wrap effect. But you also have something like Keds, which aren't going to do that. Okay. I have to say, and if you're not going to bring this up during this episode, huge miss on your part. Are we going to talk about – I haven't even had a chance, but you can Are we going to talk about Jumanji and that whole scene with the sneaker going through the machine? I'm not. I don't think I can remember that. For, I First of all, I've seen Jumanji, so let's not unpack that bag. Second of all, it terrifies me. Not a big fan of Jumanji, so I'm probably like having... the original. I've not seen the new ones, but the original... With Robin Williams. Yeah, the original Jumanji. I've seen it. I have literally no idea what you're talking about. So the dad owns a shoe factory, and one of his employees comes up with the idea for a tennis shoe, a sneaker, and... The kid, Robin Williams, is looking at it and sets it on a conveyor belt by accident, and it jams up a machine, and then the employee gets in trouble and gets fired because his prototype jammed up the machine, and then sneakers don't exist or something to that effect. It's very dramatic. 
No, I don't remember that. You know, when they win the game and they go back in time, Kid kid Robin Williams runs up to his dad and goes, it wasn't so-and-so who put it in the machine. That was me and da-da-da-da. And then the employee doesn't get fired. And then they like his idea and sneakers get made. Well, that's very exciting. Nope. I have no memory of that, but that was a good synopsis. (laughs) It would have been a huge miss on my part. I, I, Would you like to hear the movie sneaker reference I was going to make? Yes. Because <laughs> in Father of the Bride, Steve Martin, their company produces sneakers, and then she wears sneakers under her wedding dress at the end of the show, and she or at the end of the movie. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. I do think it's Adorable. fun how people do that. Oh, I kind of did that. You kind of did that? What did you do for your wedding house? So I had slip-on kids, but I had them custom painted with different things that were meaningful in my relationship, and that's what I wore under my... I still think that's so It was cute. so fun, yeah. See? Sneakers are very important. They are very important. Yes. So I, personally, me as Amy, categorize sneakers in two ways. Okay. Functional sneakers and fashion sneakers. Oh, I Functional sneakers it. are like workout sneakers. Yeah. They're protecting my ankle. They're, when I'm jump roping, cushioning my jump. Yeah. Fashion sneakers is what I typically wear... For work of like cutesy floral sneakers, things with fun stripes, platform sneakers. These, this is how I categorize sneakers. So at the time of the conference, I had on some custom painted Air Forces that I wear, and that garnered quite a bit of attention. Have seen these? Probably not. They're relatively new. Amy. But they're very cool. Anyway, okay, well, the gentleman commented on it, and here is how we got to. Listener adjacent. All right. Well, I'm going to need a picture of this. Continue. Continue. Let's continue. So let's talk a little bit about some of the naming varieties. So we've got athletic shoes. We've got basketball shoes. We've got cleats. We've got shoes for jogging. We've got uh, high tops. We've got platforms. So listen, basically what I'm trying to say is I also didn't realize so many people were calling tennis shoes so many things. So you've got tennis shoes, you've got sneakers, you've got tennies, you've got basketball shoes, which is apparently just a thing people say casually. I didn't know that. I have actual tennis shoes for the sport actual of tennis. Actual tennis shoes. In British English, cleats are also referred to as boots or studs. So if we're grouping those together, okay. that's apparently part of this. So for a very long time, the the category of sneakers were athletic shoes. They were specifically designed for different athletic activities. So things like jogging or football, meaning soccer, but then also football in terms of American football and basketball. So the word sneaker is often attributed to American Henry Nelson McKinney, who was an advertising agent for N.W. Ayers & Son. In 1917, he used the term because the rubber sole made on the shoes were made the shoe more stealthy. That's an actual word, stealthy, right? You could actually sneak. Oh, okay. It was also referenced in the Boston Journal in 1887 in kind of a same a similar capacity, but it made reference to sneakers as the name that boys gave tennis shoes, but it wasn't actually coined, quote unquote, until 1917 based on the sneakability. Of the rubber sole. Okay, okay. Which was also a commentary on the actual difference between athletic shoes and what were dress shoes at the time, which were obviously very noisy because they would have wooden or hard soles with leather right. siding. 
And then obviously as sneakers evolved, which we'll talk a little bit more about, they became more, not only the sole was rubber, but the siding was more synthetic material, which also gave leather shoes just a whole run for their money. Wow. Yeah. So there's also slang around it. So kicks is a big one. Uh I think that's funny. There's also some areas of English that call them gym boots or gym shoes. Gym shoes. um, Or training shoes. And then someone also had listed sand shoe, but I hadn't heard that one before. I haven't heard that one. So lots of ways that sneakers can be referenced, but collectively meant for athletic activities. Athletic footwear. Got it. Let's change directions a smidge and talk about the history of sneakers. Okay. In 1870, Nicolette Jones's book, The Pimsoll Sensation was credited for the name the Pimsole, which is part of what a shoe name was at the very beginning of the creation of sneakers. It was based on the line of a ship's hull. And they carried that over to the rubber sole of a sneaker. When the wearer would get wet, it would create that line. Uh So Pimsole was one of the very first names. Pimsoles were widely worn by vacationers and also began being worn by sportsmen in tennis and cricket. For their comfort. So they were rubber-based soles that could get wet and were more flexible. They were developed for walking long distances for vacationers, but then started to become adapted for other use cases. The special soles made of rubber often had engraved patterns to... Create grip? Yes, to create grip. Good Good guess, Allie. These were ordered in bulk for the British Army at the time as well. Athletic shoes were increasingly used for leisure and outdoor activities at the turn of the 20th century. Pimsoles were even found in the Scots Antarctic Expedition of 1911. Oh, wow. Yes. It's also stated here that pimsoles were commonly worn by pupils at schools during physical education lessons in the UK from 1950 until 1970. British company J.W. Foster & Son designed and produced the first shoes designed for running in 1895. The shoes were spiked to allow for greater traction and speed, and the company sold its high-quality handmade running shoes to athletes around the world, eventually receiving a contract for manufacturing the running shoes of the British team in 1924's Summer Olympics. Harold Abrahams, Eric Little, Each won the 100-meter and 400-meter events, respectively, when they were fitted with the Foster's running shoe. Wow, okay. This became more prominent in the... Sorry to interrupt, but it's crazy to me to think that people were being athletic in other types of shoes. In other, yes, in dress shoes or what have you. I'm just going to go run a marathon in my Oxfords. Yeah. Is that, that a shoe? Might have been a fun time. Oxford's our okay. shoe. Yeah. <laughs> Just making sure. That was a good reference. It would have been funny if it wasn't right. a bit. Actually, no. It's a suit, but good try. I got worried that it was like a type of pant, but I think I'm thinking docks- dockers. <laughs> dockers. Dockers are a type dockers of pant. I wonder if they'd go well with Oxford's. Is Oxford like a tip of a shoe? Now I'm questioning it. Is it like a style? Well, then I'll look it up. Oxford shoes. Oh, you know what they are. Oh, yes. I love those. Yeah. yeah. Those are kind of having a comeback right mm-hmm. now. I'm pretty confident I have a pair of them saved in yeah. so a like, shopping cart somewhere. 
more typically like. Oh, so cute. Oh, yeah. Those are having real mummy right now. A mummy. <laughs> They're having a real mummy moment. Mm, that seems less comfortable. But yes, I was right. It's a type of shoe. Future episode, the Axford. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about when sneakers became prominent in America. So around the turn of the 20th century, so in 1892, we had started coining this term sneakers. The U.S. rubber company introduced the first rubber-soled shoes in the country, sparking a surge in demand and production. The first basketball shoes were designed by Spalding. Oh, okay. In 1907, the market for sneakers grew rapidly after World War I, when sports and athletics increasingly became a way to demonstrate moral fiber and patriotism. There you go. The U.S. sneaker market has consistently grown, but they also noted that Converse All-Star sneakers, endorsed by basketball player Chuck Taylor, really took hold around this time as well. Oh, yep. Recognize those words. Which I wore my Chuck Taylors today. So. so fancy. So fancy. During the interwar period, athletic shoes became marketed for different sports and different designs were made available for men. Athletic shoes were typically used for competing athletes at the Olympics, but then popularized among the general public in the 1930s, 1940s, somewhere in that vicinity. Okay. Around World War One, a gentleman named Adolf Adi Dassler. Okay. Do you hear it in the name? Adidas? A gentleman named Ad Adolf Adi Dasser, yep, began producing his own sports shoes in his mother's kitchen in Bavaria. Mm. So when he returned from World War I and went on to establish his own shoe company, an athletic shoe manufacturer named... Adidas. Adidas. He was also successfully marketed the shoes to athletes for the 1936 Summer Olympics, which helped cement the good reputation of the brand we still know today. Uh. I would love a fresh pair of Sambas. Adidas. Adidas. Do you remember in high school? Be like, Adidas. I remember yeah. everybody coming up with like acronyms, like what the letter stood for. Yes. Um, I, I don't think that stands for anything. It's just a guy's name. Yeah. I just think it's a guy's name. I did think it was interesting, though, that Adidas was selling 200,000 pairs of shoes before World War II. Wow. Yeah. Let's move forward to the 1950s. Leisure opportunities have expanded. Did you hear Spud? <laughs> so in the 1950s, leisure opportunities expanded. Dress codes started to change. So sneaker sales skyrocketed because now we can wear our sneakers to school. We can play in them. We can do different sports in them. We have all these different varietals based on our activities. Jogging took hold in the 1970s, Gross. so shame on them, but yeah. <laughs> Glad we share the sentiment. Running is for fools. I support you. If you're a runner, good on you. It's not for me. Anyway, that was the 1970s. So again, we start seeing specifically designed sneakers, but then we also see the casual fashion market. Woo -woo. Fashion sneakers. TM. Pending trademarking. We also see things take hold for other... Sports, so obviously basketball shoes have been around forever. Different running shoes, different cleats, different styles for um, whatever leisure activity is your 
leisure vibe. But also, we're now backed by podiatrists. Oh, okay. So we really start seeing the advancement of athletic shoe technology and therefore notable health differences. Great. The positive impact that sneakers can have on us. They also just become relevant in culture. So you start thinking about the pickup of hip-hop for things like Puma and Nike and Adidas, or rock and roll for Converse and Vans. You may relate. You may relate. You did have a small emo phase, mildly. Oh, I... I to having, um, I believe they were Etnies. I still own if a you pair were of a skater, If you were a skater boy and you said, see, your later boy, you had a pair of Etnies. Yeah, I still do. They so are the emergency shoes in my trunk in case of an emergency. That was very redundant, but you get what I mean. Your emergency shoes. So the last little piece I would just want to cover is there's a whole subculture of sneaker collectors. Oh, my god! And I have some data of the guy who has the biggest and, like, the the markets that we're going to get into. But Can I just say real quick, there's no better feeling than when a sneakerhead compliments your sneakers. I agree with this. So I had on said custom Air Forces. I'm so at pissed the I didn't know about, but carry on. I'm sorry. I was sitting next to a gentleman at dinner, a different gentleman, not the guy who spiraled us into this episode, but honestly, great conversation. Um, he had some contraption. He was a sneakerhead. Oh, I ruined my own question to you. What do you call sneaker collectors? Oh, sneakerheads, yes. Sneakerheads. Um, but he had some kind of contraption in the toe of his shoe that prevented the bend. Oh, fancy. So apparently it like keeps it rigid because you're not supposed to put the crease in your sneaker. Yeah, you don't want the crease. So you never. And your you, whites have to stay white. White. But I have a friend who's vehemently opposed to perfectly white shoes. Interesting. She hates them to her core. Interesting. But also, if you look at the brand Golden Goose. Those sneakers, very designer sneakers, costly sneakers, very cool, apparently very comfortable, come mildly distressed. Well, everything. I feel like that's just what's popular right now is distressed everything. I mean, I don't think sneakerheads would appreciate you just that. Got t-shirts that are pre-hold. I mean, ripped jeans, I don't think have ever gone out of style. But no, because they're just they just rip by themselves even if you don't make them fashion. Yeah. But you can buy them pre-ripped. And you have been able to do that forever. But I just think the distressed thing gets a bit much sometimes. It does. It does. I will say I came into this. I, I've recently gotten more name brand sneakers. And I mean that in the sense that, like, I have a pair of Chuck Taylors. I have a pair of Air Force. But, like, I also have a lot of Keds and, like, fashion sneakers, right? I... I have a lot of sneakers. It's really become a problem in my life. Oh, so you're becoming a sneakerhead. I'm becoming a sneakerhead. Although all of mine have creases because I wear them everywhere. Um, I have a new pair. Um, I think they're called Carmina. They're very comfortable, but they have Pantone colors. So cute. Oh, so cute. They're very comfortable too. I don't do you you don't spend very much time in my closet when we're together. I'm going in there next time. Anyway, super cute. Super cute. So. Let's dump in let's jump into some statistics to round out our episode okay. here. Let's talk let's talk about market share. So according to Statista, okay. Did I say yeah. it right? Good job, Amy. High five. In 2022, the market share for sneakers, the top 8ish 
Nike had 18% of the market share globally. We're talking globally. Jordans had 11%. Adidas had 9%. Skechers had 7%. Vans had 7%. Moonstar, which is not a brand I'm familiar with, had 5%. Converse had 4%. And New Balance had 4%. And then others was anybody who just had something under that. Wow. Okay. Which is countless. But... I would have been able to guess, I think, at least a good handful of those. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm a little bit shocked that Skechers are up there. But when you think about brand access, I guess Yeah, it makes but sense. they're also opening Skecher-only stores now. So they must be getting Yes, popular. we have one near us. Same. We have one near us, too. Fascinating. Yes. So I looked up the most expensive sneakers to buy. So these aren't auction ones. These are purchase ones. To the best of my ability, it was a little bit gray because it sounds like they just kind of keep coming out. But there's a pair of Air Jordan 12s, OVO. I don't know if it's OVO or it's OVO. So if you're a sneakerhead, please comment and correct me. The Drake edition sold for $100,000. There's a Buscemi 100 millimeter diamond sneaker pair that sold for $132,000. The Jordan Retro High Charlotte Hornet Foundation Black and White. Okay. Sold for $250,000. Wow. The Air Jordan 3 8 Retro Kobe Pack sold for $800,000. And the Solid Gold OVO or OVO by Air Jordan sold for $2 million. Holy cow. Holy cow. Like that was the retail price of these shoes. To the best of my understanding, yes. Holy cow. Retail price. So let's talk auction price. Oh, God, I don't even know what I want to know. So I just picked the top five because it went on forever. Sneakers are a hot commodity. There is a market for them. I was very impressed, especially having done the Barbie episode and looking up how much like original pristine mint condition Barbie sold for. Put sneakers, put Barbie to shame. Wow. They just did. Okay. So the top five sneakers sold at auction for money, meaning not like made for something, but have most of them have been worn by Michael Jordan. Actually, four of the f- top five are game worn sneakers by Michael Jordan. Okay. So, no, in number five, we have game worn Air Jordans by Michael Jordan. So, game worn Air Jordan ones with Dunk Soul. They sold for $675,000 because at the game Jordan wore them in, he was nursing a broken foot and still went on to score 28 points. Number four, we have a pair of Game More Air Jordan 12s, which are credited to the flu game. They sold for $1.38 million. Oh, my gosh. Apparently, Michael Jordan was battling food poisoning, but went on to win the Game 4 of the 1997 finals. He is superhuman. That is Superhuman. In third place, we have Game Worn Nike Airships. For $1.47 million, which were worn in Michael Jordan's rookie year. Okay. In number two, not Michael Jordan. Well, kind of. But anyway, Kanye West's Grammy-worn Nike Air Yeezy 1 prototypes sold for $1.8 million. Gross. Okay. And in number one, we have Game Worn Air Jordan 13s that sold for $2.2 million and were worn in the 1998 NBA Finals. Wow. Wow. Shoes people have sweated in. Collector's items, I guess. For 
million dollars. I mean, I'm not, I'm just saying. Michael Jordan is a legend. I totally get that. He also has like way outdone himself in just sneaker sales. Oh my gosh, yeah. Right? He's his whole own sneaker brand. Yes. Anyway, I just was, I was absolutely shocked. That is, that is crazy. So let's wrap up with a few fun facts. Just some quick hitters to land the night, to land the night. Just some some quick facts to end our our episode. Just some quick facts. They're just quick <laughs> facts. These are just quick facts that I wanted to share with you. The biggest sneaker collection is owned by a gentleman named Jordan Geller. Its estimated value is between twenty million and a hundred million dollars. Holy moly! He holds the Guinness Book of World Records at two thousand three hundred eighty-eight pairs. Where does he put all these? I've. I didn't I didn't dig that far. All right. 150th? Okay. In the 150th hour, we'll look it up. I know he lives in Dubai, but that's as far as I made okay. it. Adidas bought their logo for a bottle of whiskey and 1600 euros. Wow. Okay. That's fun. Imagine you're the person who designed that logo and you're like, "Damn, I should have got more for that." Yeah. A lot more. So, earlier you said people have made up what like, all day I dream about soccer. Like, what yes. does yeah. Adidas stand for? ASICS is actually an acronym for the Latin phrase anomia sana incorporo sono. I'm so sorry. It means to a sound mind in a sound body. Oh, that is interesting. Okay. Yeah, so not, not Adidas, but ASICS. Okay. The Conver- Converse Chuck Taylor All-Stars First marketed in 1917 are the all-time best-selling sneakers with a total sales nearing 600 million pairs. I believe that. Michael Jordan wanted to sign with Adidas in 1984, not Nike. He was a self-described Adidas nut and told his agent that if the deal was close, he'd sign with them. Ended up going a different direction. Oh, Adidas, you missed out. Missed out. And then last but not least, Vans has been doing custom sneakers since 1966. Wow, that's a long time. I know. I thought that was very shocking. Considering that custom sneakers are all the rage right now, Vans actually started doing custom sneakers in 1966, and they produced 12 custom pairs. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. Those are my fun facts. This is my sneaker... My sneaker snippets. I think there's probably more to uncover about sneakers and the brands and all of that jazz, but this was a good place to start. I quite enjoyed this little snippet. So thanks for letting me talk at you. Do it that what you will. If you have any comments, corrections, suggestions, or fun facts, you can email us or to share your favorite pair of sneakers with us, email us at 24hourexpert at gmail.com. Spell out all the words. It's also our Facebook, Instagram, and website. You can find us there. Talk to you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to 24 Hour Expert. Our theme song is Lo-Fi World by Ricky Bambino. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you're notified of future episodes. 